Hello, Future Tribe. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the podcast. What a crazy place the world is in at the moment. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I just thought I'd say that we hope that this podcast is a positive sort of angle, is something for you to listen to that can inspire you and motivate you and help you come up with different ideas to get through the next few months, um, possibly even the rest of the year. We too are following the guidelines given by the government. So we're working 100% remotely, I must say, and there's just uh, myself coming into the office so that I can record things like this and sending it off so that it can be edited remotely. I guess this shows us that we can we need to plan for this sort of thing and we, we can continue to function even if we didn't have or don't have an office but it's really sort of opened up our eyes on our end to just how out of control things can be for us um, as as humans and moving forward uh, hopefully we can all sort of get out of this Um, i hope you're all safe i hope your families are safe now with that said let's just talk about the episode this episode uh we've got jeremy uh joining us he's from 99 trivia which is a a local trivia company we obviously talk about how 99 trivia began what makes them unique uh we talk about how he was able to create relationships with venues and and basically create a a client base just through word of mouth we we do sort of get into then talk about things like the flexibility that business brings jeremy's a very young guy so uh it's it's wonderful to talk to someone locally in canberra who's doing interesting things and the roadblocks associated with being a young business owner um, how jeremy was able to use it for his advantage and then we finish off talking about how 99 trivia's services could be broadened into into many more use cases so so this is part one of our two-part interview with jeremy i hope you enjoy we'll talk soon Welcome to the Future Tribe podcast, where we're all about taking your future to the next level. Whether it is interviewing guests or unpacking strategies, you know we will be talking about getting things done and backing you, a fellow optimistic go-getter. And now, as always, here is your host, the formidable, fortunate and highly favoured, Jermaine Muller. Hello, Future Tribe. Welcome to another episode of the Future Tribe podcast. This week, we're joined by Jeremy Jones from 99 Trivia. How are you, Jeremy? Hi, Jermaine. Thanks so much for having me. I'm absolutely buzzing. I've just um, started chatting about uh, trivia stuff. I've just found a new fact, um, which is kind of doing trivia is the most exciting thing when you find something that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's it's the Australian Bureau of Statistics has released data on the suburbs with the highest percentage of singles in Canberra. Uh-huh. And uh, excitingly, it's Braddon has the most amount of singles. So that is going straight into a trivia night right there. That's very, not very surprising, excited. I must say. Are you surprised by that, Braddon? I'm not at all, but I thought I was kind of like, that's the obvious one. Maybe there's a twist. Um, <laughs> and And I guess the question is, does that change depending on time of day? Because I assume Friday, Saturday night, Braddon's... Uh, got a lot more singles <laughs> absolutely yeah that's Good a lame point. dad joke lame dad joke <laughs> well um let's get the ball rolling on this so um 99 trivia uh let's start with the name it's 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 a 
funny name or a weird name um i mean it tells you what what you do but what where's the 99 from or why did you pick 99 trivia great question so we chose the name 99 trivia because um the trivia night that we used to hold at the amu the final question would be what is the runtime in minutes of the movie snow dogs um right. so we do that every week and so it's a recurring question so if you came you know the previous week you'd have at least one point just to kind of reward <laughs> regulars uh-huh. And the runtime is 99 minutes. Um, so as you can imagine, asking that question every week, you know, people kind of start saying it out loud, 99 minutes. Um, so we thought we'd go with that. So we're at 99 trivia. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's a nice origin story there. Um, going back to, you know, speaking of origins, um, we've spoken about the name, but let's get to, to sort of what drove you to start um, what is, you know, essentially it's a trivia, it's an end-to-end sort of trivia night experience business. Is, is that how you would describe yourselves? Yes, that's right. So we kind of, we run trivia nights for venues or for um, kind of businesses or um, a lot of, yeah, businesses that might want a Christmas party or training days as well. Um, so trivia can work for training days. If people have kind of information they want their staff to know, we can kind of put it in the form of a a quiz and mm. um, kind of try and make it as fun as possible. Um, so we, what we do is basically um, most basic format is doing regular trivia nights for venues. And so we'll kind of supply all the pens, the paper, do the questions, supply hosts and um, kind of help with the prizes. And we try and make it as fun and as tailored as possible. Okay. And when did you start all this and what led you to starting this? Because um, I can't remember the last time I, you know, um, was walking around thinking, Hey, I might start a business, um, a trivia night business. Um, There are a lot of other businesses that I think a lot of people sort of uh, bump into in their day-to-day life and sort of think to themselves, Hey, I could start something like this, but trivia nights is probably not uh, in the top 10. Um, but what led you to starting it and, and when did you start it? Yeah, so it's very niche, but I think um, anyone in Canberra who's been to a pub will, some, will somewhere see some information about a trivia night. I think Ken Barons love trivia. And um, I, so I originally started, I love event management and I also love kind of, I love radio and I love like entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd been doing student radio at ANU and a friend contacted me saying that the trivia host at ANU bar couldn't make it. Would you like to host? And that was a really kind of basic format where the questions were there. And I just read out the questions. The regulars came every week. Um, but then ANU bar shut down. I went on exchange, came back. And at Molo bar, there's no trivia night. And kind of just coming back from exchange, inspired and motivated from being on my own. I was kind of excited to do something new. Uh, and also the opportunity to try and catch up with my mates every week. Mm. Um, as you find, so I've been at college and you, know, you find that kind of people spread out. You want to make sure there's a regular time that you catch up. So I put in a proposal to do the trivia night there. And I put it in a proposal that we would have two hosts. And the whole idea was just to try and make it as fun as possible, kind of an excuse to catch up with friends. And we kind of pushed, pushed and pushed for that. And eventually they accepted that. And we did the first one and had about four tables. And we kind of put our own unique spin on it. Um, so we did our own questions, tried to make them as fun and funny as possible. And um, so did that for about a month and um, did that with a friend. But he unfortunately had a tute on um, at the same time as the trivia night. 
So he ended up um, having to go to his tute because he'd missed, missed four of them to host <laughs> with me. Yep. And um, my, one of my best friends, so I hadn't met him yet, um, Al Thorne, he was involved in ANU Law Review, which is the kind of comedic production, kind of looking at all sorts of things um, around the topic of law. Really, really funny. And I'd seen him with a friend performing. I'd never met him before. And he was so funny. Um, he's just, I, I thought he was hilarious. And so I messaged him cold on Facebook asking if he'd want to be involved um, and if he'd want to come along and host with me. And so that first week I wrote his questions for him and we hosted together. And then from then on, it's been a kind of a strong partnership between the two of us. Um, he's a create, he's so funny and um, does a lot of the, most of the creative side um, with the questions and kind of each week we've built on that, tried to do um, all these different questions and games. And that's kind of built up the crowd from being probably four tables that first trivia night to probably maybe about 26 tables near the end. That's amazing. So how many people would that be, 26? So that would be about over 200. Yeah, Um, wow. So um, did you you say when, what, what, what year was it when you first started this? So that was in 2017. Okay, so you've been going for a few years now. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And, and sort of had an opportunity to sort of refine how you, how you do things as well. Yeah, absolutely. And refining is um, really interesting because there's refining it from a show point of view where we've changed formats from doing kind of three rounds of 15 questions, four rounds of 10 questions. to Now we do about three rounds of 12 questions uh-huh. and we've kind of mixed in you know, the audience gives you more of a license to have fun and be creative. So we've kind of done new and different games. Um, so like one game we do is called good or bad where um, we might, we'll say a topic and we'll say, is this good or is it bad? And the crowd has to guess if they think, if we would think that that topic is good or bad. So they put their hands on their head for good or hands on their butt for bad. Um, so one, one example was um, the scene in Stuart Little when um, the kid says about Stuart, that's not a mouse. That's my brother. And say, <laughs> yep. I remember that, that well. scene. Is that scene good or bad? And then the crowd will kind of awkwardly look around. Some will say good. Some will say bad. And then my reasoning for that is um, that scene is bad because Stuart, of course, is a mouse. So it's a lie. And then everybody who's got their hands on their head for good will sit down and we'll just work our way down naming different topics until we get to the last one and that person will get a prize. And That's so really we've kind of played... Yeah, so it's fine. Or we can do that with other stuff. Um, another one is like real or fake. So it might be, we'll say a name. So it could be real or fake Simpsons characters. And so you might say hands moment. And, you know, some people who know the Simpsons well might put their hands on their head for real. Others might put their hands on their butt for fake. And uh, as we work it down from real or fake, yep, down to the last person. So we've had a bit more license to be creative and had some fun with that. And um, I think the audience has kind of enjoyed that. Yeah. And, and it sounds like what you've ended up with is while it's called night and trivia, it's more of a, like a night experience, more of an event rather than just a, you know, black and white trivia night. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. My, my dream would be to host a variety show one day. Okay. Are there many of those around? Um, I mean, I don't really, I don't get out much. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, so are there lots of variety shows? Is that, you know, a, a, a thing that's um, 
on trend or is it more of a, it's still a bit of a niche, but um, I guess, you know, just aren't many around. So people just don't get to experience and appreciate it. So there are a few at um, fringe festivals. My dream would be, you know, ABC TV, Saturday night, 9.30, me as the host, big band, interviewing a few people, a few comedians, a few acts. That would be, the, that would be my dream. But, um, okay, so, right. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So talking, talking about um, not, not trivia as, as a business, um, now you're based in Canberra, so you end up doing a lot of Canberra sort of um, work and Canberra events. Is that correct? Or do you, do you end up traveling a little bit or has it mostly been Canberra centric so far? Yeah. So mainly Canberra because basically for us, it's word of mouth has been our biggest kind of sales um, win for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so at ANU, ANU was quite successful for us. So had a big crowd there and then lots of students work in bars. So through that, we got a few recommendations to other bars. Mm-hmm. And so then um, we'd host there and then the bartenders there might work at another bar or something like that. So that's kind of how we've gotten around is kind of through word of mouth, through usually through the bartenders at events or through our own contacts. Um, so that's kind of grown us in Canberra. And then we've done also unique to Canberra is kind of obviously the big pro, um, public sector. So we've done training days as well. Um, so that's kind of something very unique to Canberra is that we probably focus on is those one-off training days where we can come in and host during a morning or a lunch break or something like that, which makes the whole training program a bit more fun. Yeah. And then also um, kind of one-off trivia nights that we've done has been kind of a Simpsons themed one at Kingo's um, where we partnered with a Melbourne company called Ninja Trivia. Um, and we also did a trivia night in, on tour in Sydney um, where I traveled out with my friend Jimmy and it was Seinfeld slash Simpsons theme. Um, so we did, we have gotten out of town just the once. Um, yeah. We would love to do more of that. Yeah. And, and so talking about night nine trivia as a business, right? Um, there's always the, I mean, the, the fun, the, the fun side of things um, makes it all worthwhile, but I guess there has to be that business element to it. Otherwise you end up, um, it, it ends up being a hobby. Um, how, how, how regular, you know, are you doing a trivia or, or, or is 99 trivia sort of doing a gig a week? What, what's that looking like at the moment? And where, when you started, I, I would assume you were doing um, less work and it's sort of um, increased over the last few years. Yes, absolutely. So we've um, anywhere between three and five gigs a week. Um, Currently, so we have, wow. Yeah. So we have kind of about three to four regular venues and then we'll have um, kind of private gigs as well. Yeah. Um, which absolutely the business side of it is so important because we'll kind of have to find a client, chat with the client, get it prepared. And then we're not, we can't host all the venues because we'll have kind of two trivia nights on one night. Yes. Um, so we hire other hosts as well. Um, so the other kind of business element of that is having the money to be able to pay hosts straight away um, because yeah, you know, we, yeah, either upfront or in advance in some cases, I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. And because it is kind of a one-off gig, um, people knowing that they're going to get that money straight away um, makes, makes the job more enticing. So mm-hmm. we'll try and do that. But then uh, with an invoice, an invoice can take up to a month. Um, so there's kind of business issues there with trying to time invoices, getting the invoices out, um, also keeping track of invoices as well. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, if you can, if you can get um, a majority of your clients to pay within a month, I think you're doing well. Um, it's not unheard of to, you know, uh, let, let invoices drag out to 60 days, um, at least in the space that um, I operate in or we operate in over here um, at Future Theory. Um, but talking about the numbers, how, you know, is this, is this a full-time gig for you? Um, is it a, a part-time gig in terms of time? Um, are you, you know, do you think if, if it's a part-time thing, is, is it going to be enough to sort of say, sustain you financially, do you think? Um, and how have you made those calls and made those decisions about how much to charge? Um, and has it been just very much a checking in with clients and just refining that or, what, what was the process like? Yeah. So in terms of kind of um, part-time, full-time, there have been kind of other tribute companies that the, they, people work for them full-time. Um, for us, we haven't been able to do that yet. So I, I actually work um, two other jobs as well. So I work in a pub and also do radio work. Uh-huh. Um, so basically for us, um, what I found has been great about um, Trivia has been, it's kind of enabled me to pursue my passions um, because I can work in my own time and I, I kind of, I can be in control of what I'm doing. It gives me the freedom to pursue kind of, so my big interest is radio. Um, and because of this, um, because of tribute, it gives me that extra income. It gives me extra time to be able to volunteer at a radio station, um, and do that or kind of pursue other work or be flexible for those opportunities. Um, as well as doing it as well, it kind of gives me more mic time and practice. Um, I would love to grow trivia enough to be full time. Um, and to work that out, it's basically how many regular gigs we can get a week and does that pay the bills for both me and my business partner Al? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the beauty of starting a business in my opinion is the flexibility and the freedom that it gives you. Um, it's the money is important as well, but you know, if, if you're, if you want to do, you know, have a few part-time jobs that give you experience when you're younger um, while also having the experience of starting a business and, you know, that, that, that whole world there, I think that that's the beauty of it. It's, it's better than say necessarily being stuck in a, you know, a uh, full-time job where you've got to put in 40 hours a week that doesn't give you the same flexibility. Um, if you had to do an event during the day, for example, or if you wanted to um, volunteer one day of the week. So um, that's the beauty of, of business. Did you always think that you were going to go into business? I've always been so interesting. Like I was that kid at school that would buy lollies or soft drinks and sell them to people at lunchtime. To you try were, and make okay, yeah, right. Because I've never really met them, um, met, met one of them. <laughs> right. So um, especially not in Canberra. Um, I, I know a few kids who got in trouble for selling, <laughs> selling um, Coke cans, et cetera. But um, I've never, you know, I've never gotten back in touch with them to work out if they went into business. So you've always had that business um sort of mentality behind you is that because of your parents or um because of school or necessity or it's just something that became interesting um yeah it's always kind of i've always just if i've seen an opportunity i've always wanted to take it um so i kind of saw the opportunity there and it was something fun to do so that would have been in year eight i bought crispy creams and sold them at lunchtime and then that kind of spurred on more people selling stuff at lunchtime 
And so I knew it was time to get out when um, a boy called James got caught selling soft drinks. And that was, he got a, he got a detention. I was like, yep, I've got to give up this game. I'm going clean. <laughs> going to go down the straight and narrow, going to get out of the, the black market deals and, and become a legitimate businessman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also another element, I love event management. I just love it. I love seeing an event come together. Um, and so that's kind of that, uh, I guess, entrepreneurial kind of side of things where I just love seeing the pieces come together and then see it become a finished product. This episode was made possible thanks to the following supporters. Future Theory, websites, marketing and design that make your goals come true. Proudly based in Canberra, Australia. Visit us online at futuretheory.com.au. Do you see yourself, I mean, you've brought up event management. Is 99 Trivia, you know, at least partly sort of an events management sort of business, would you say? Because it sounds like you get involved, you know, supplying pens and all that, all that as well, rather than just turning up, asking questions and leaving. Um, are, you, are you guys, you know, the whole package for a lot of these businesses that you work with? So for Trivia, we are, and we've, we've done other things. We've done... Um kind of events where we've had DJs and bands as well. So a band will... Is that from you or from a... From, is that, is that because... We will supply the, the band as well. Okay, you would. Wow, yeah. So full, it's a full experience there. Yes, yeah. So we just want to kind of do the whole event side of it. Um, we love it. And then with Trivia, there's other options as well, like looking at like bingo nights. So we currently have with our clients, if we can then offer them a bingo night we can double the amount of events that we're doing. So we're kind of looking at different possibilities. So bingo's the next one. Mm-hmm. So we've got a bingo night coming up and hopefully that goes well and we can add that to our offering. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, looking back over the last three or so years, um, have you, I'm sure you, you've, you've made some mistakes. Anything come to mind? Yeah, oh, I've made plenty of mistakes. It just in everything you can just get better at everything. Like um, it's anything from dealing with clients has been a really interesting one, working out what they want. Um, so have you found your, I forgot. I don't think I asked you how old you are now. If you don't mind me asking. I am 24 and three quarters. Okay. Yes. Okay. Nearly 25. So you were nearly. 22 when you started. Yes, that's right. yes, um, did you find that to be a challenge when you, you know, a 22 year old trying to sell, um, sell, I would assume these event managers or, or, um, you know, pub managers are older. Um, did you ever have that sense of, um, you know, I'm just a kid trying to sell, sell an adult on something or, uh, and how did you get around that? Did you, did you face any sort of uh, roadblocks there? Um, so we got really lucky early at ANU. We worked with two amazing managers um, so Lavana, who managed the pop-up village there and Lockie who managed the bar there. And I think they could see our passion and they were so passionate about kind of making events work um, that they really got behind us and are kind of mentors now as well, kind of in the event space. Um, and so I guess usually if we can sell that interest that we're two guys that are really passionate about just trying to make the best possible event, uh, kind of being young will work for us. Um, well, and, it, and it, I guess it doesn't matter if you're so passionate about it that, you know, if a problem comes up, you're going to, you're going to solve it. 
um, from a from a client point of view, there's there's less risk there. Um, it would be much more dangerous if you are you know older individuals with more experience but had less passion um, and gave a sense of you know first roadblock we're we're going to say this is too difficult and and not turn up or or give up so um that it sounds like your solution um and it was it was whether intentional or unintentional was just to genuinely care about what you're doing and what you're providing and get excited about it and make sure that everyone feels it and i guess running events you have to be that way because it's not like you can turn up to the client and be all excited and then on the night you can be very low-key and quiet either so um you're essentially a product and you're selling the product to them is that fair yeah, to say absolutely um so that's with clients but then also i guess you've got to be careful controlling your like passion and excitement because as well like there are so many kind of you know people can see that and then change their thoughts on things that may be changing this hasn't happened with venues, but it's happened with other things, perhaps with, with sponsors mm. where people sense that passion or that interest and then maybe think they could lowball us with a yes. sponsorship offer or something like that. Um, so you've really got to be careful and across those kind of things. Um, one thing I've found is if people are going to judge you on being young, you've got to use that to your advantage. If, you know, if they think you're inexperienced, you can act inexperienced, but in the end, you know what's going on. As long as you know what's going on, um, you can try and use that to your advantage. Yeah, yeah. Just sort of read the room, read the people and sort of understand what, what is happening right in front of you and sort of react to it accordingly, um, I guess, is, is the message there. Um, what are you hoping, you know, moving forward, um, what's, what's the plan for 99 Trivia? It sounds like, you know, you guys are looking at new opportunities and, you know, past just trivia. Um, is that sort of the plan over the next um, two, three years? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess um, what we really enjoy doing is we'll have a new idea. We'll do something which we think will be big and fun and we'll do that. So that was kind of a few years ago, that was adding a band in. So we'll do that and then we'll kind of see where our opportunities are from there. And that's then your bigger from there, we, that becomes a product and you do your bigger one-off trivia nights that are Christmas parties or corporate nights. Um, and then we kind of look around and then more opportunities come for like training days and things like that. So I guess at the moment, we're always kind of just trying to do our best with the day-to-day stuff and seeing what opportunities come from that. Personally, mm. I'm really interested in the corporate training scene. Um, so how trivia nights can be used um, in like training sessions or team building sessions. Yeah, because um, so it has this sort of interesting element of um, gamification, which is, you know, on the up and up. I mean, I, I feel like I hear that every year that, you know, uh, gamification is the next thing, but um, a trivia night has has that core of being, you know, fact-based um, while also being having that gamification sort of side to it. So I think that that's an interesting area to explore of, you know, you could probably um conduct training um as a trivia game what, what do, do is that sort of the line along the lines of what you're thinking or am i sort of missing something yeah absolutely so we've done um kind of like <laughs> this is a really funny one like a safety briefing in the form of a trivia night yes, which is like yeah. really odd but kind of when you think about it like you want to bring everybody to come along and hear the safety briefing um so you've kind of i guess like got to try to make it fun um, so we basically just got given a whole list of facts to turn into trivia questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a short, it was just half an hour. Um, 
So we then kind of took those um, questions and um, turned them into, sorry, took those facts, turned them into questions. So for example, um, one question is, what is the ANU incident and hazard tool called? And then that was the question. But we yeah. tried to make it fun. So it made it multiple choice. And the options were A, fig tree, B, fig jam, C, waddle, or D, Barkley. Um, so try to make it a bit different there, kind of add in a few jokes there. Um, or another one as well we did was um, the incident response. Um, one, sorry, one question. One moment, just getting it up. That's all right. Yeah. So one question was, um, what step is required immediately after calling an ambulance? Uh, so A, inform a supervisor or manager. B, call security. C, panic. D, contact <laughs> the relevant support person. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. you can give points to people that say, oh, it's A and C, you know? Yeah. 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 It sounds like um, it's almost like those uh, safety briefings on planes. And you keep seeing, I, I don't know about you, but I see videos all the time of, you know, the, the new, next new person um, making it a fun thing, whether it's dancing or joking around and, um, but still sort of conveying the message. Um, that's sort of what, what that sounds like is it's just a way of making it more interesting. Um, rather than the same old thing that, um, let's be honest, in a lot of cases, safety briefings from organization to organization of the same size, they're identical. They just, you know, change the platform that they use or change the meetup point. Um, so adding a bit of, you know, something a bit more dynamic to it and um, adding a bit of young energy as well, just is, it makes it almost like an asset um, for an organization. Absolutely. So what I'd love to kind of do is trying to make boring information fun. Mm. So we've also done that with, um, we've partnered with, uh, we've partnered with Reduce Risky Drinking, um, which was a kind of a, a program to try and reduce kind of uh, binge drinking. Mm -hmm. um, so we then went around to all these colleges and groups and did a trivia night, but also in there could kind of raise awareness of drinking healthily. Um, so it's kind of like we can kind of take a message or an agenda, I guess, and then put that to an audience that's going to be engaged. Yeah. Like repurpose it. Um, essentially you're, you're just almost a new medium of, of communication. Like, you know, you take music, sound video, um, and then add sort of this live, um, live video, almost live entertainment that, that is also sending a message across. Um, that's, that's really exciting. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, new medium. The new yeah, medium. yeah. Have you have you thought about it? Like, I mean, that 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 that's sort of a nice segue into what my um, next question was, which is around um, your branding and your logo, um, and sort of how you position the brand. Speaking of, you know, a different medium. Um, what did you? How did you come up with the logo? What What was the steps behind that? Great. So, um, my business partner and friend Al came up with the logo. Um, so the logo, um, is basically, so it's a kind of a pen, um, and it's kind of drawing on the idea that, um, kind of you're at a trivia night and it's, he, he is amazing. He kind of just came up with it, um, and then kind of built upon it and he's kind of used it everywhere. We did a gig at, um, ANU, a music festival, Friday night party, mm -hmm. and he's, he spray painted it onto one of the fences. Um, it was incredible to see this logo. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I think that's, everybody. That's awesome. Yeah. The, the, the reason I wanted to know is because especially, I mean, I wouldn't call you guys a, a young company anymore, a young, young brand anymore. It's been three years. So 
you know, you've had a, had a while to refine it. Um, but I always find it interesting when um, newer businesses um, come up with, they, they take one of two different avenues I find. Um, one is a bit of an amateur approach of, you know, this will make do. Sometimes they go on, you know, 99 designs or something like that and pay a couple of hundred dollars and get, get something that, you know, isn't really a logo. It's just sort of um, putting, putting their name on something that um, someone else designed. Um, you know, it's a bit more sort of generic. And then they follow the other angle of, you know, going through this, you know, very complicated, very complex process where they've spent thousands of dollars even before they go into business to create a, create a brand and they don't even know, um, whether the whether the company or the organization is going to succeed, um, where I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like you guys came up with the logo sort of in the last 12 months. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And that's really interesting what you talk about, um, kind of building the brand before the product exists. Um, something I learned early doing social media was you want to kind of talk in the language of if your product was a person. Um, for example, Hungry Jack's is kind of a cool uncle, a wacky uncle, while McDonald's is kind of a more serious brand and then they portray that language. Um, so that's something we did was we, because we were the two hosts, the brand was us. So we really kind of drew upon that. And so on our social medias, we'd do a post, could be anything from um, a question that we've got and then we'd sign it with our own name under, under it. Uh-huh. So people know that it, it was us and it was us having kind of being funny, uh, like having fun with things. So a recent one I just posted was completely irrelevant from trivia, but it's, but it's us as hosts. So I just posted, um, and I made this up as well. So I'm sorry, mum, but I posted, mum just referred to Canberra center as the super mall. Ha ha. Jed. And people that come to the trivia nights, they know us, they know our sense of humor. will like it, share it because that's kind of us. That's what our brand represents. It's us, you know, two guys. It's who, it's who you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that because we, again, work with organizations of all sizes and something I'm trying to communicate to everyone. And it's not unique. You know, it's not something that I came up with. It is almost just an accepted truth um, around the world is that brands need to have personality behind them. Um, I, I think having that transparency and having people behind it makes a brand um, just more palatable. I mean, let's be honest. When was the last time you hung out and had drinks with a logo and um, you know a product range? You don't do that. You you have interactions with people, and you can extend that same thing to the people behind brands. Um, obviously, the bigger you get, the harder it becomes, and because you've got to sort of be um, everything to everyone, it gets a bit more, bit, bit more difficult, but, um, you know, have you heard of MailChimp, the, the newsletter sort of service? I have, I've heard of it from, um, that podcast serial. They used to have the MailChimp ads before. Oh, there you go. Right. And MailChimp's <laughs> got a chipmunk, um, not, not chipmunk, sorry, a chimp, um, as their, as their, um, sort of mascot, you know, and to me, that's, that's one of the brands that, does it really well because it's just a fun chimp like he's winking at you um most in most sort of instances that you see his his face um and what you guys have done is 
when you're smaller, it's easier to do anyway, um, is to be, plus I guess it extends better into what you guys are doing is just be the people behind the brand rather than trying to cover, trying to come across as this big corporation um, that is completely, you know, well-rounded and um, doesn't, doesn't sort of uh, step out of line at all. It doesn't joke around. You've been able to convey that, this is who we are. And, and as an extension, this is what you get on a night and, you know, hop on our social media, see how fun we are, see how the people interact and who wouldn't want that from, from their clients or their staff um, or their visitors and guests on a night. Um, it's, it's a wonderful extension. It's been great as well. And you can just be honest as well from that, like by doing that, um, because then we've portrayed who we are. Then when we meet with clients, um, cause we love what we do. We can just be kind of straight up honest about where we're at and the vibe of, around the brand reflects that. And I think when we we're talking about mistakes before something I've learned along the way is more so what clients actually want from their trivia night. Um, and so now we can kind of portray our own vibe while meeting those professional expectations of what they want or what they want to hear. Yeah. I mean, you you I, uh, I'm just really stuffed that up. <laughs> I guarantee that um, you you have a different approach and a different vibe depending on who your client is. Um, your your corporate training sort of event is going to be different to trivia night at, at the uni bar. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting because um, originally we would do them and I would just send a lot of emails because I just wanted the event to be as good as possible to a, to a bar manager and kind of learned that the bar manager is getting you to run the trivia night because it's one less thing that they have to worry about. Mm-hmm. And then one less thing they have to worry about. And then you're bringing in people, you're bringing in money. Um, whereas a private trivia night, you've got somebody who maybe their role is they're on the social committee and this is a big thing for them. Their reputation's attached to it. They haven't been involved in a trivia night before and they want to going to be, they're going to want to be more involved, more across things um, because their reputation's on their line and they're not exactly sure how it's going to go. Um, yes. And so there's a bit of anxiety possibly even from, from them versus the person who hands it over to you and just basically expects, you know, to them to turn up on the night and everything's sorted and you've handled it all, which is a sharp contrast between the two. Yeah, Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Future Tribe podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast app. 